please stand as you are able for today's scripture reading from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Hear these words from the Apostle Paul. Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you might win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, today we continue in our summer series called Invitation. And today we hear in these words of Scripture, God's invitation to us to live a life of discipline. The word discipline seems to often have a negative cloud over it, doesn't it? Kind of a heavy sounding word. It's used in so many different contexts, but it's always a little bit ominous, right? In the academic world, whatever field of study is called your discipline. In the United Methodist Church, we order our lives as a congregation by the book of discipline. When I was growing up, discipline meant getting in trouble. <laughs> um, discipline. It sounds negative, but it's not. Discipline is also what gives shape to our lives, the habits, behaviors, and practices that make us who we want to be and help us become who we want to be. I think the way that we think of discipline in the most positive way is in terms of exercise or health or athletic training. Getting up at a certain time, eating a certain way, running so many miles a day or lifting so many weights a day. Several years ago, I uh, had my gallbladder taken out. And as I was waking up, the anesthesiologist asked me, are you a runner? I said, do I look like a runner? <laughs> and they busted out laughing and said, well, not really, but your resting heart rate is so low, it's like a runner's. And I said, no, it's because I'm a preacher and I'm tired, I guess. I'm really, really tired. But I have a good friend, uh, a retired Methodist preacher, uh, who is a serious runner. Every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, for decade after decade after decade, he gets up at 6.15 in the morning and runs six to 10 miles. And he ran for years before he started keeping journals of how far he runs. He ran marathons and all that. And then one day it dawned on him, I should probably keep up with this. But he runs, and I know people in our congregation, I see someone in our congregation today, who I see running no matter what the weather is, right? Raining, snow, cold, hot. He gets up and he runs. He'd even run 10 miles before he preached on Sunday morning. 
he started keeping these books and he would write down how many miles he ran, what the weather was, and what shoes he was running in. And he started that in 1979. And I called him this past week and I said, I just want a little checkup. Where are you now on your running? And he says, at the end of last year, 2023, in my books, I have run 80,969 miles, which is three and a half times the e around the earth at the equator, if you want to put it that way. And he proudly said, I am a disciplined person. And I said, well, that's one word for it, if you want to do that. <laughs> it's a good thing to honor discipline in exercise and in our health. And we all should do that. And some people really do. And then there's some of us who struggle with that. I'm like the comedian who said he got, I think it was one of those video things, PX90 or something, really hard workout. And he says he was in trouble right at the beginning because they showed the before and after picture of the person all he wanted to do was look like the before person. He didn't care about looking like the after person. I think often when it comes to discipline and exercise in our life, we feel a little bit like this guy. I should work out. It's hard to find time to work out when you really don't want to. <laughs> I can't do it now because I don't want to. And later on, I'm not going to be interested. It only takes 20 minutes a day, just 20 minutes. Yeah, that's too many. <laughs> Can you make it no minutes? I do belong to a health club. I see that membership card every time I'm at Wendy's getting a triple. Oh. I think those membership cards are kind of scary because obviously they exist because at one time there were people sneaking in to work out. That's like breaking into the gap to fold sweaters. That was cute. I probably need a personal trainer. You know, I didn't work out today. That makes she's three decades. <laughs> Occasionally I will work out. And I'm one of those people, whenever I do work out, I immediately have grand plans. You know, I'm going to work out every day. And then the next day I'm like, well, not every day. <laughs> I got to let my muscles breathe a little. I'll work out every other day. And then the next day, I'm like, eh, I'm happy with the way I look. I don't want to get caught up in that beauty culture. It's hard to get motivated. It's hard to get to the gym. I actually live across the street from my health club. It's across the street. It's open 24 hours a day. Still can't get there. I knew I wasn't going to go. Even when I joined during that initial tour, they're like, here's where you can do sit-ups. Never going to happen. We have free weights, too hard. We offer hot yoga, I'd watch. I just tell myself I'm gonna do that, go in there and watch a hot yoga class, you know, bring a bag of potato chips. Not even in workout clothes, dressed as Spider-Man. Excuse me, sir, I'm auditing! I might take this next semester if I'm not too busy fighting crime. <laughs> it's hard to get motivated. You ever go to the gym and not work out? You just kind of wander around. You know, 
can I do the elliptical or the... I gotta go. Sure, I burned some calories putting this outfit on. Well, Paul grew up in a world that was filled with athletic events and races. And he saw people training all the time. And he would go to those races, no doubt, as a part of his culture. And can't you just see the Apostle Paul watching some athletes train and feeling inspired to say, you know what? We should discipline our lives like that in our spiritual lives. We should discipline our lives and work that hard and be that intentional in following Jesus. He says, if you run a race, you run to win. You run to get a new personal best. You don't run aimlessly, he says, or flailing around. You run mindful and intentional of your breath and your stride and your pace. You discipline your life and sacrifice things to be the best athlete you can be. Why wouldn't we do the same thing to be the best follower of Jesus we can be? And so he writes these words to the Christians at Corinth. He wants us to understand winning a race doesn't just happen. People work for it and train for it. And being the best disciple we can be doesn't just happen. We work at it and we train for it. So Paul says, if you're a follower of Jesus, take on the discipline of what that means. And so I spent some time thinking about what are the disciplines that we take on in our life that give shape to our life and help us continue to grow as a follower of Jesus. I think the first one and most important one is worship. You're here. You get that. Worship. Our spiritual life is grounded in community. We are reminded in worship who God is, and we're reminded in worship who we are. And it's in community that we laugh together and we cry together and we share all the ups and downs that life has to bring together. And whether we're worshiping in person, whether we're worshiping online, the discipline of being in worship is crucial to our spiritual life if we are to be the best follower of Jesus that we can be. I think the second discipline is prayer. We've experienced that. Pastor Milton led us in prayer today. Prayer has so many facets, and I'll just say this this morning. Prayer keeps us grounded in the reality that God is near. God is with us. As my little friend said, we want to see Jesus, but it's too far. No, Jesus is right here. Prayer keeps us grounded in that God is with us and that God is compassionate toward us. It grounds us in the dependence on God for life itself. The discipline of prayer 
also makes us mindful of other people's circumstances and other people's needs as we pray for one another. One of the great gifts that I think prayer gives us as we practice it as an intentional discipline in our life is that it reminds us that everything is not about me. There's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot going on in people's lives. God is at work in them all. I think the third discipline is a love for the scriptures in our life. A commitment to listen through the words of scripture for God's call for us. Years ago when I was in South Louisiana doing a new church start, I called a home of some people that had visited the church and they had a little girl that was about this old, I don't know, four or five years old, and she answered the phone. And uh, she said, hello, and I said, hey, this is uh, Barry, how's your day today? And she was telling me about preschool and we were chatting a little bit. And I said, well, is your mama there? And she did what little kids do. She just held the phone out to here and screamed at the top of her lungs. And she says, Mama, it's that Bible guy. (laughs) I've been called a lot of names over the years being a preacher, some good and some not so good. Bible guy is my favorite one. (laughs) I love that she equated my life with the scriptures that we talked about in church, that she learned in Sunday school. We listen through the discipline of Scripture for what God is calling us to do. Not reading it to find argument points or debate points about somebody else and what they should. What do we discipline ourselves to hear? What is God saying to me? What is God asking of me? Because in the Scriptures from beginning to the end of the Bible, We are called and shown how to and how not to live faithfully in all kinds of situations and in all kinds of circumstances. I think the fourth discipline is service. I don't know that anyone has said it better than the writer of the book of James, that wonderful passage where the writer says, If you see someone who is hungry and naked and you say to them, be warm and filled, go in peace and offer them nothing, what good is it? Faith without works is dead. Service is a discipline of the Christian life because it's only through service that we can fulfill the great commandment. Jesus said we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors as ourselves. Service is a discipline of the Christian life. That's a strength you have as a congregation. The witness you have to that. Through service, we grow closer to Jesus. Then last discipline I'll mention this morning is Generosity and giving, the discipline of giving. My dad was a deacon in the church. I grew up in the Baptist church. He was a deacon and was a real strong leader in the church. 
He was a quiet guy. He didn't say much, but when he spoke, people tended to listen to him. And I can remember from my earliest years, my dad, when it came time to make uh, commitments for the new year in stewardship or for a building campaign or for whatever the church was trying to do, my dad would always say, when I gave my heart to Jesus, I assumed my wallet went with it. <laughs> it was just that simple to him, right? I'm following Jesus. I have the opportunity to give. And I am so glad I was raised with that joyfulness about giving because the discipline of giving blesses us. It provides for the ministry of the church, but not just for our own benefit, for the ministry of the church beyond the walls, into the community and around the world. The discipline of giving allows us to invest in the kingdom of God. It allows us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, bigger than any opinion we have. We're a part of what God is doing in the world. And we are always blessed when we're a part of that. Well, Paul ends that passage by saying that those runners that he watched did all that discipline, did all that sacrifice, did all that hard work for a prize that doesn't last very long. They receive a crown of laurel. By the time it was placed on their head, it was dying and dead. Paul says, we discipline ourselves and run a race for a different kind of prize. We run our race for the prize of the joy of obedience in our life. We run our race for the prize of feeling God's pleasure in our life because we're striving to be the best follower of Jesus we can be. Paul knew that when we lived like that, the real prize was that we live into our eternal life now. We don't have to wait till we're on the other side. We live into our eternal life now in the kingdom of God with the joy of obedience in our life. As Paul would say, if we're following Jesus, why wouldn't we follow to win? It's a fair question, isn't it? May we discipline our lives in such a way that every day, every month, every year, every decade of our life, we become a little bit more like Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit,